In one of our very first podcasts, I did a small piece on a little-known Russian economist called Nikolai Kondratiev. A few weeks ago, I told the story of an amusing privateer, Timothy Dexter. Both were fascinating characters, held beliefs far more liberal than the orthodox thought of their time, and would probably have been considered libertarians. Well, today I have another story about a proper libertarian legend, this time from the modern day. I'm Andrew Elliott, I'm here with my bro Nick. We'd like to welcome you to this very special John McAfee edition of the Sounding Board podcast. Now, Andrew, I've got a couple of important pieces of information for you. Before you, before you get on with what, what no doubt is going to be a fascinating chat about. I mean, I, I had no preparation for this at all. You said I've been preparing for this podcast. Sure. Uh, of, of course, we need to do a podcast on John McAfee. So I'm, I'm really pleased that you've, you've done this work. A uh, couple of things. Telegram is where it's at now. Okay. Yeah. And the S- Sounding Board podcast now has a Telegram channel. So I'd like to encourage all of our special listening friends to go to t.me forward slash sounding board to join the sounding board telegram channel. What we're going to do is, as often as we remember, post some stuff and then all of our listeners can go and comment on that and engage in the conversation. Um, who knows how popular it'll be, but I, I think telegram, I've been getting into telegram a lot more recently, ever since kind of coming off Twitter. Um, and, and enjoying it a lot. So uh, so let's see if uh, anyone wants to join us as t.me forward slash sounding board. Sure, and we should probably make sure there's a little bit of content there uh, by the time this episode, this episode comes out. There I is, guess. it just might be out of date now. Right, okay. So, uh, you know, like, have, you, have you been posting to it? I have been posting to it, but that was a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I think it's time to update it. Sure. Uh, but I, you see, I quite like the idea of just whenever I think of something pertinent, just putting it, just putting it down in there. Uh, and then potentially even we can base podcasts on the kind of notes that we put in there and the feedback that people give us. So it might, if it, if it in any way becomes popular, even with a few of our listeners, um, be a way for people to engage and get us to kind of talk about it. It'll be like the eight subscribers for conspiracy theory, I imagine. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Another piece of important information for you. I have news. Is it good news? This is... This is tremendously good news. Okay. Now, never let it be said that Sounding Board is not a global brand. Okay. <laughs> where, where are we popular? <laughs> <laughs> now, we have, um, we have been popular. We've been in the podcast charts in other, in other countries before. Yeah. We were, we were up there in Zimbabwe, I think, weren't we? Exactly. Exactly um, right. Um, we've now made it not just to the top 100 news podcasts, but the top 10 politics podcasts in Romania. In Romania? And let me explain why. Is that because of... A particular episode that you did all the for on, on Nicolae Ceausescu. The, the, our episode, The Fall of Ceausescu, is number two in the politics charts wow. for Romania and number 49 those, those, that episode itself number two politics in, a, in Romania so wow. I want to say congratulations well done on that 
Thank you. I was actually, I actually wanted to do a little bit more on, on Ceausescu because he's, um, and this is something, so Michael Malice talked about this the other day in a, I think he was, I think it might have been in his podcast with Lex Friedman um, when he was saying, because uh, the difference between Ceausescu and some of these other dictators is that someone like Stalin and Lenin and Mao, they were kind of the big figures, big personalities. Yeah. Uh, he was just a nobody. He was a, a moron. Um, so, you know, it, it's kind of fascinating when you get these, you know, basically imbeciles in charge. Yeah. I'm really glad. I'm really glad. In this country. <laughs> yeah, around the world at the moment. Anyway, I thought you'd, uh, thought you'd like to know just how, just how popular we are. We might sure. not be popular here in the UK, but, but abroad we're up there in the charts. Fantastic. So, do you want to learn a bit more about John McAfee? I, I would love to. Um, I have most of my information about John McAfee from, from you anyway. Um, I've, I've, never, I've never followed him in the way that, that kind of you have. Well, it's McAfee for a start. Right. McAfee, not McAfee. No. Because that was back in the antivirus days. Well, so we, we'd never heard we'd never heard him say it, and you just look at it, and obviously the yeah, normal Scottish way of pronouncing yeah. it is, um, is is McAfee, but you know it's the way he pronounces it is is McAfee. Interestingly, so he was he was born over here. He was born in the UK in 1945 on a US Army base. Um, his dad was American, and his his mum was British. Quite a fa- quite a fascinating kind of early career. So he earned his bachelor's degree in maths in 1967. He went on to pursue a doctorate, but was expelled due to a relationship with an undergraduate um, who became his first wife. So he was always a bit of a lad, um, right, from, yeah. right from the word go. And he worked for quite a few impressive companies. So he was a programmer at NASA in 1968, did that for a couple of years, worked on the Apollo program. He then went on to, <coughs> excuse me, to Univac, then Xerox, and then CSC or Computer Sciences Corporation. Yes. They were huge. I mean, I remember working with them 20, yeah. 25 years ago yeah. in, uh, in 78. Uh, in the early 80s, he became a consultant, but it was then when he was employed at Lockheed, where he was working on voice recognition software in 86, where he had his, his, his big breakthrough. So he became aware of Brain, which was the first PC computer virus. So there were viruses okay. and other, other computers. I, mean, I think the Atari had um, had had some first, but Brain was the. But uh, our Atari had a virus. Well, yeah. So Atari Atari virus killers were kind of ahead of the game. Yeah. Um, because they had they had the first viruses, but Brain was the first PC computer virus from Pakistan. <coughs> it was self-replicating code. It used to copy itself onto any floppy disk inserted in the machine that was infected, and when examined, this Brain virus contained the message: "Welcome to the dungeon. Beware of this virus." Um, <laughs> Yeah, it was like the first Happier of his times. Yeah, sure. Um, but it but it fascinated him, and he worked out a way to disinfect computers, and spread the cure via bulletin boards. So this was before the days of the internet. Yes. He kind of you know he he kind of produced this cure for the brain virus, uploaded it to bulletin boards, and that was how it was distributed. And it was a year later in '87 that he set up McAfee Associates. <clears throat> That's right, McAfee Associates, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, and he just he just had a feeling that the viruses they're not going to go away; they're just going to get bigger and bigger. So he wanted to kind of get in early uh, on 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 the game, and he finally sold his share of the company in uh, in 1994. But he actually went and did some fascinating things after that as well. He found well, there's obviously there's obviously a reason that you're that you're talking about him now. Sure, uh, it was what a couple of weeks ago um, that he was. Found dead in his cell in 
wherever he was. Uh, so he was he was in prison in Spain, waiting to be That's extradited. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure you're going to come to his sure. much later life, but uh, obviously this is about doing ret- retrospective on on him, mainly because he's not here anymore. And, sure, and, sure. You know, gone in suspicious circumstances. Shall oh, say. absolutely, absolutely. So that's what you're coming to, isn't it? As in why, why he maybe wasn't liked by the, by the authorities. Oh, for sure. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll come on to that. But he um, so he, he found Tribal Voice, which is a company that made Powwow, uh, and they were the, that was the first internet instant message uh, instant message application um, for for Windows. It was quite ahead of its time. It had voice over IP calls, a shared whiteboard, files transfer, and even URL sharing. Um, so this is before MSN Messenger and all that kind of thing. So I don't, I don't remember that. We we used. Do you remember ICQ? Yes. That was, I think, the first instant messaging app that I that I used. That and then MSN Messenger. Yeah, I remember using AIM for a while. AOL Instant Messenger. Yeah, I never um, used that, but, but ICQ certainly. But this one was compatible when the other ones came out as well. It made itself compatible with them as well, so you right. could you could message other people. It was way, way ahead of its its time. He then joined the board of Zone Labs. Do you remember them? Yeah. They they made Zone Alarm. Who were the, were the, one of the first firewalls it was, it was, that we th- installed. It, it was the first firewall that I ever used, yeah. I think. I'm not sure if you ever used any more before that. Um, no, in terms of software firewall that you installed on, on a Windows PC, Zone Alarm, definitely. Because I think we used, I think I had Norton Antivirus. I had that SpyBot thing that would get rid of spyware, and I had Zone Alarm and a few different things. This would have been mid to late 90s, I yeah. think. Yeah. Well, obviously, look, we're, we're talking about being connected at this point, which would have been... Which would it would have been late nineties. So when do we get when do we get the internet? Ninety six. Was it ninety five, ninety six? Yeah. So we would have got our first dial up connections. Probably thirty three six modem. I think wasn't it ninety seven? I think you and I. Oh, it was earlier than that. I think. Was it? Yeah, I think it might have been ninety five, ninety six. Sounds about right, anyway. Yeah. Anyway, he did, he did a lot of lot of really kind of innovative stuff. You know, right. obviously pioneer, so pioneering viruses, pioneering instant messaging. Um, I didn't realise he was involved in in the firewall stuff. Yeah, sure, sure. In the two thousands, uh, he kind of he shied away a little bit from uh, from IT. He set up a ranch uh, and offered these flights in these trikes, which were like powered hang gliders. It didn't fly like, like microlights. Yeah, similar. He called it, he called it aero trekking. Um, he okay. kind of invested, invested in those machines, and you'd kind of glide around his ranch. Then in two thousand and eight, he moved to Belize, ah. and he was right. Bear in mind, he was sixty three at this point. Yeah. So he'd had a full life. He'd, um, I, I mean, he lost he lost a lot of money in the in the credit crunch in the financial crisis because he he'd invested in property. Right. It crashed. I mean, he was still a multi millionaire, but he wasn't. Yeah. Like hundreds of millions, yeah. um, which he was before then. But he, he moved to Belize when he was 63. He wanted to do something completely different. He came across a concept which I hadn't heard of until researching his life called quorum sensing. Now, this is a technique that bacteria use to communicate with each other. Now, right. And that was brand new at the time. You know, Ten years before, it wasn't even known that bacteria could communicate at all. This is news to me right now. <laughs> sure, and then, but they found out they had like a really complex, sophisticated way of communication. So he wanted to explore that and see if he could come up with kind of new antibiotics, that kind right. of thing. And he picked that area in Belize because apparently plants that grew along the River Nuevo, uh, or the Rio Nuevo River, they contained compounds that inhibited bacteria from sending chemical signals to each other. Right. So these specific plants 
um, where he where he lived. Yeah, and he kind of set up a set up a base there. Uh, although it didn't go, it didn't quite go according to plan. Belize is very very corrupt, mm. as, as you might imagine. Um, and he was asked for a two million dollar donation by a local politician. Uh, and when he declined, they raided the place. Um, nice. He was arrested but never charged. But they still kind of continued to ask for for donations, um, and it just they just wouldn't let him wouldn't let him do anything really. They kept yeah. kind of trumped up, you know, kind of charges saying that they thought it was like a meth lab and this kind of stuff. When he was out, he was employing scientists and all sorts. Right. Yeah. I think from what I understand, like half the village was was like kind of employed um, as well, kind of working for him. But yeah, just just so corrupt. It was around this time that uh, his his girlfriend, a former prostitute, tried to shoot him in the head, uh, and he but he, he right so he carried on seeing her, and this I've got a, I've got a few quotes here. I'm just going to stop you there. Uh, I'm I'm detecting I'm detecting a new and continuous cough. Uh, <laughs> I have been I coughing think, a bit. I think the best thing that I could do right now is to is to medicate that for you. Sure. Uh, so just uh, bear with me a moment because uh, I do. Do have here? Ah, nice. There's Thank you, sir. You. Some medicinal scotch. Which one's this? You might recognise this. This is this is one of our faves. This is classic Talisker Sky. Ah, nice. Your health. Cheers. Right now, see if that sorts your throat. Ah, out. It, ah. It'll be kill or cure. I mean, it definitely yeah, it definitely feels better. Right, so, <clears throat> excuse me, <laughs> I, uh, I just want to quote yes. John McAfee himself about this situation. So, this is this is this is from John. Amy, for one, and many girls in Belize, has a horrific story of abuse that, if I told you, you could not believe it. Of course, she's not going to be well. Of course, she's going to have issues. When she tried to shoot me in the head, what I saw was a frightened child. What I saw was a confused girl who had been so abused physically, sexually, emotionally, beyond any description. What are you going to do? Throw her out? That doesn't help her. All she did was burst my eardrum. I'm deaf in one ear now, but I don't have a bullet in my head. Forgiveness is one of the graces that we have as human beings. Wow. So, <clears throat> stuff. Yeah, I mean, you could kind of hear me choking up when I was saying that. But yeah, he's a compassionate human being. You know, literally, she fired a gun right next to it, you know. Yeah. Right next to his head, and um, yeah, he forgave her. Anyway, soon after this, he moved to a villa in San Pedro, a town on Belize's biggest island. Uh, and he took more young girls under his wing, who were also former prostitutes. Uh, some of them, some of them were abuse victims, that kind of thing. Yeah. And he was visited at the time by an author um, slash cartoonist called Chad Esley, um, who wanted to write a book about his life. I couldn't believe it at first. He, you know, McAfee was basically surrounded by women and armed guards. You know, the entire that was his, his life the entire time. Uh, and he interviewed all the girls to understand their backgrounds. And he said that they were, you know, they're all quite sad, troubled individuals. Uh, but they're in a much better situation yeah. being around John because it was like a they were free to do what they want. They were kind of you know armed guards around, so they weren't going like to you know, they, yeah. It was like a sanctuary for them. It was an alcohol and drug free environment uh, right. at the time because he you know he was completely clean at the at the time. Um, however, uh, McAfee's neighbour, an Orlando sports bar owner called Gregory Fall or Fowl, wasn't particularly happy and became increasingly irate at his neighbour's activities. And he, we know that he filed at least one complaint to the mayor um, about you know his partying and his dogs and, right. and all that kind of stuff. On this, so this is this is um, this is quite 
the timing of this is quite critical. So on Thursday, November the 8th, 2012, he made the local headlines when he donated 40 stun guns, handcuffs and batons to the local police at a press conference. The mayor thanked him and local TV declared that the hatchet was formally buried. Um, oh, so nice. after kind of years of them haranguing him, he kind of made this donation. Okay. This was on the but Thursday. Just, like, give him a load of money. Sure. Yeah, he gave them stuff for their for their police. Yeah, exactly. He's like, you guys, your cops are rubbish. They have enough equipment. Mm. I'm going to donate this to you. <clears throat> that was on Thursday. On Sunday, his neighbour was found shot dead. Wow. Um, found a single nine millimeter shell nearby. Apparently, a mobile phone and a laptop were missing, uh, but there was no signs of a break in or forced entry or, or anything like that. The police. <laughs> this this is funny. The police gang suppression unit told a local newspaper that they called at McAfee's house, but he appeared not to be in. And do you know why he appeared not to be in? Go on, tell me. <laughs> Apparently he saw them coming, and he, <laughs> he buried himself in the sand and put a cardboard box over his head. You see, this is... I was waiting for this <laughs> bit. genius. I was waiting for this bit where they like found him in a hole or whatever. Or did, so did they, 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 they didn't find him. He buried himself in the sand, just stuck a box over his head so he could breathe. Yeah. And they just thought no one was there, so they went, they went away. How did he get out again? I mean, I've, been, I've buried my son in, the, son in the sand up to his head, and he really struggled to get out. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I can't say. I mean, it, just, it makes me chuckle, because I think he, in, in one of the Jeeves and Worcester, he gets buried in the sand, doesn't he? He has to get dug there's out. A, there's a photograph behind you on the, on the wall of the, of the dining room. I'll show you, I'll right. show you later. It's one of my favourite photos of, Leo, of only Leo's head on the beach that that was right before he got really annoyed with me because I was like come on just get out <laughs> <laughs> so do, you know I, I'm, I'm picturing proper sand here but we'll uh, we'll see yeah sure um, uh, anyway but he, he like at this point joking aside he was in fear for his life uh, he was convinced that the police had had enough and just wanted to permanently get rid of him um, so he went on the run he posted regular updates on a blog Gave frequent interviews to kind of basically to let people know he couldn't be silenced. Yeah. And again, <clears throat> this is quoting from him himself. I disguised myself as a ragged salesman. All it takes is some dirty clothes and not bathing for a few days and not combing my hair. You know, people saw my photograph everywhere because all the police and army had had it for that month and, and half that I was underground. I just made sure I looked different than that. So you know, he, he yeah. looked like a proper scruff bag. At the beginning of this, the December, uh, so about a, about a month afterwards, Vice magazine screwed up unfortunately. They revealed they were documenting McAfee's life on the run. They posted, posted a photo online and they forgot to strip out, you know the EXIF data, the oh, metadata that's yes. attached to every image? They forgot to strip that out. Um, so they revealed. did they? Well, you know, I guess you, you don't know, but the, 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 had, the EXIF data was on there and they found out that he'd um, crossed the border illegally to Guatemala. Right. At the time, Belize police were still saying that he wasn't a suspect. He was just a... a person of interest yeah. in, in air quotes but he, he, he didn't want to return he was arrested a few days later in Guatemala as he was spotted and because he was there illegally and he feared they would return him to Belize but it, he was allowed to fly back to Miami a free man a week later fortunately okay. he's done a few other funny things so in, in, in 2013 the next year I don't know if you've ever seen this he produced a video critiquing the McAfee antivirus software and explaining how to uninstall it what? <laughs> Because he didn't, he wasn't. Um, he wasn't a shareholder anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, d- he didn't like it. He was just saying it's bloated. It's um, it's no good uh, I mean, I anymore. We're talking at, like, over a decade past. Sure, but yeah. So he, he did a YouTube video of how to uninstall it, and he was basically just parodying himself, 
so it was him he pretended to snort cocaine he was surrounded by strippers this kind of thing and like it was just very very funny Why? video um, it might still be on YouTube I'm not sure and it was about this time that he married his third wife um, uh, Janice who was another ex-prostitute who he'd saved from traffickers um, I wanted to talk a little bit about him as a as a libertarian, because I know this is a this is kind of the, yeah. the, the reason that we're talking about him. Um, yeah, on a, on, a, on a politics on, on the number two politics <laughs> podcast in Romania. Um, but he was he was so he was a proper libertarian. He advocated for the decriminalisation of cannabis. Uh, he wanted to end the war on drugs. Uh, he was for non-interventionism in foreign policy. Uh, it was very very strong on a free market economy. Hated tax. Specifically, the free market economy that didn't redistribute wealth. Yes. Um, and free trade. He was also in favour of religious liberty, saying business owners should be able to deny service in circumstances that contradict their religious beliefs. This is another quote from him. No one is forcing you to buy anything or to choose one person over another. So why should I be forced to do anything if I'm not harming you? It's my choice to sell, your choice to buy. Yeah. That's, that's bang on, isn't it? Perfect, Absolutely though. bang on. In 2015, he announced a bid to become President of the United States of America in the upcoming 2016 election. So initially he did this in the September as a candidate for the Cyber Party, which was like That's newly right. formed. Um, but then in December he kind of re-announced, saying he would seek the nomination of the Libertarian Party. And he actually, for a time, he polled uh, consistently alongside the other top candidates, which were Gary Johnson and Austin Peterson at the mm. time. In the primaries he came second and third at the National Convention, and Gary Johnson then went on to yeah. win the nomination. At the 2016 convention he did say look I'm not gonna I'm not you know if I don't get this I'm not gonna run again uh, but then in 2018 he'd changed his mind and said that he would run once more in in 2020. Unfortunately in 2019 he also announced that he was on the run from the US authorities the um, the Securities and Exchange Commission the SEC and was living on a boat in international waters so he was kind of on the run at this point again. Is that basically what he's been the, on, on the run from ever since? Yes. Those charges? Sure. Sure. Because he's been arrested in some stupid number of countries. Oh, so he's now. been, yeah, he's been, I mean, he's been in prison and arrested for stupid things uh, all, all, all the, the time. It would have taken, yeah, a, a series of podcasts probably to, yeah. to, to cover I just think that's important for people, for people to know that that was, that was kind of his thing, was popping up in a country, getting arrested, spending, doing a bit of jail time, getting out again. Yeah, sure. Certainly that's his recent life. Yeah, and, and, and on October the 5th, 2020, he was arrested in Spain at the request of the US government for tax evasion. So the charges alleged that he'd earned millions of dollars between 2014 and 2018 and had failed to file any tax returns. He actually said himself that he hadn't filed any tax returns since 2010, and he maintained that taxes were illegal. Um, <laughs> prosecutors believed he owed over $4 million in taxes, apparently. Um, whilst in prison, the SEC acu also accused him of fraud and money laundering um, over his use of cryptocurrencies. Soon after that, he tweeted he'd be going dark on social media as he'd received threats from the SEC, apparently. He believed the US government had ulterior motives in extraditing him, um, and because he was like a libertarian candidate for the president, then he could cause a lot of trouble. Um, yeah. On June the 23rd, 2021, the Spanish National Court ordered his extradition to the US. Sadly, within hours, he was found dead in his prison cell. He had allegedly committed suicide. However, he so he claimed several times yeah. that if he was ever found hanged, it would mean that he'd been murdered because he would never, you know, he'd yeah. never never do it that way. He even had like a tattoo on his arm, didn't he, with whacked on That's it, right. saying that you know he always thought that being murdered was a was a possibility. He also had doubles, and there were you know there were talks of you know him kind of 
getting out and faking his own death and stuff. So I guess you, I guess you never know. But even I mean, so even if even if he is dead and even if he did kill himself, he was still killed by the U.S. government, as far as I'm concerned. Oh yeah, he's been um, Epstein, isn't he? But even even if even if he did actually commit suicide himself, that's, that's it's the government who's who's done, done it. Yeah, you know they they kind of duress. you know if, if you if you place someone under that much duress. Yeah, it reminds me of um. I mean, it slightly reminds me, and this is another guy we can do a podcast on. But Erwin Schiff, do you know much about him? No. So it's Peter Schiff's dad, a massive, ah, a massive right. kind of you know he maintained that, oh, well, that, that income tax, tax was illegal, well, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, and he got sent. He got sentenced something like I think when he was seventy. I mean, he, he was in prison a few times. But something like when he was very old, something like 78 or 79, he was sentenced to something like 12 or 13 years in prison. Yeah. And he just he just died in prison. They just never wanted to let him out. And this was just through not paying tax. Yeah. Because for them, that is the most serious offence you can do. Because they need to keep the system going. They need to keep everything in place. And if you yeah. don't pay your taxes, they can't keep the gravy train going. So that you know, they, they will let people off for all sorts of things. And... But don't pay your taxes. That's it. Game over. They'll they'll hunt you down, and and spend more money than they'll get back just to make an example of you, so that everybody pays their taxes. That is like the most. They probably won't say it, but it's the most serious offence to the to the government. So do you think? Do you think there are calculations made over whether to get rid of someone? You know, there's there's obviously you know martyrdom problems or. You know, they've got, to, they've got to weigh up. Is this person more useful, dead or alive, in these situations? And they've been hunting him down for ages. Sure. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, it's. I mean, it's 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 difficult. I mean, you could, you could, for example, Google Hillary Clinton death list, yeah. and see how many people that have died in mysterious circumstances, that had you know information on her and, and all sorts, and I think. For her, it appears to be a very simple calculation. It's yeah. like, are you causing me any concern whatsoever? Well, it's, it, yes. I, I was going then to say, it's, it, that's it. <laughs> it's the truth. Hillary, would you like us to bump this one off? Yes, I would. <laughs> that's it, isn't it? Yeah. So I'm, I'm sure that I'm sure they I'm sure they do. Yeah, it's I, it's a it's a great shame. He he was. I mean, he was just funny. Oh, he was hilarious. And he, yeah, he was. I mean, he was. So he had some. I mean, he was hilarious on Twitter. All the videos yeah. he was, you know, like just the little, little kind of one or two minute speeches he'd give on Twitter. Um, he was a great pianist. I don't know if you saw him play piano. No. He looked quite awkward. He didn't look like you know you, you see kind of someone like Previn on the on the <laughs> on the piano, and it's it's like you know this guy was born to play the piano. Yeah. He looked a little awkward, and yeah, he, he, he looked like someone who was just going to kind of play it with like a couple of <laughs> fingers, but then he'd get going. And he'd say, right, okay, I've just he'd just like stick his mobile phone there and say, right, okay, I've just composed this for my wife or whatever. And he'd kind of play this piece. It's fantastic. He did, didn't didn't look like a like a pianist, but he was he was really really good. You know, he used to you know like he used to I used to enjoy his videos about like cocktails and stuff that he just invents. <laughs> um, and yeah, very very good, very very um, huge personality. You know, I mean, he, he kind of spent. Years of his life rescuing women and you know yeah. providing sanctuary for them, yeah, tragic loss, real, real tragic loss. Yeah, I, yeah. Well, and like I think for me, I just he was he's on that list of people that you always assumed. In fact, as soon as he as soon as he got arrested again, it was right. Yeah, 
is it going to be this time? Is it going to be this time that he's disappeared? Because um, I, I, to be honest, I was surprised. I thought, I thought they would make an example of him and just keep him in jail drag, for like twenty years or something. Stuff. Yeah. I suppose it all depends now whether anything comes to light. You know, I've there's obviously all sorts of stuff. You know, I've heard about caches of documents that he was going to have released if he died all this you know, well, well, all, see, all so, secrets. So, exactly I so I heard about that and that hasn't happened no, which kind of you know does that lead you to believe that it was false or that he's <laughs> still alive somewhere you know what do you what do you what do you make of that it, it depends on your uh, it's your uh, is it a dead dead man's trigger is that what you is that what you yeah, call or it? Dead Man Switch or something. Yeah, I know, I know what you mean. Yeah, but there are things like apparently his Instagram account tweeted or tweeted. Don't tweet on Instagram. He like posted like a, a big Q apparently, which is supposedly a reference to <sighs> QAnon or something. But then they kind of just trashed the Instagram account like minutes after his death. It's like, hang on a second. Q is just a psyop, isn't it? I, I I don't know enough about it to be honest. Yeah. I, I mean, I, probably. I but don't. I, 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 have, I haven't. I haven't looked at. It, I haven't researched it. I literally. I know next to nothing about it. Yeah, I mean, I'm. I'm. I'm slowly edging down the rabbit hole <laughs> <laughs> at the moment, uh, and I've been. Uh, I've been watching a lot, lot more uh, um, Infowars <laughs> recently. Um, after after really not not engaging at all. Right. And it's it's. It's hard. It's hard not to agree with almost everything that Alex Jones currently says. Oh, Alex Jones is brilliant. Yeah, he's fantastic. I mean, he's yeah. and and you know, obviously, he's he's you know, he's known as a conspiracy theory guy. Yeah. Um, but I reckon, I reckon eighty eighty five percent of what he says has probably, has probably come true. And when he has got it wrong, he's admitted it. And yes. He said, you know what, I was wrong about that. Yeah. Uh, and, he, and but he's okay. So the, the thing, the thing I love most about him is he is. He is such an entertainer. Mm. I mean, I, I remember. He's so, like a he's like a TV evangelist. Oh yeah, but he's just but he's funny. He's charismatic. I mean, so I remember, I remember listening to uh, or watching watching his show on my phone, and this would have been before the twenty twenty election, right? Uh, when people were still hoping that Trump was going to win, and he was having callers call in, and he's got obviously got that f- fantastic Amazing flash set and studio and everything. Yeah. And he was. Um, Do you think that's just to say, even though you've banned me, look how amazing this is. Yeah, of is. course it is. Look, look at <laughs> look at look how yeah, look how popular and successful I am. I can afford all this, even though I'm cancelled everywhere. Yeah. Um, and he was there, and he had kind of viewers coming on, and there was there was one who said, um, uh, who was saying, oh, can you um, can we pray together? Can we pray together for for, for Donald Trump again? And he's like, yeah, sure, of course we can. And so they kind of they basically he kind of sort of says this prayer and stuff. And he's like, I've got another request. Can we um, can we shout a bit? <laughs> Right, I just want to. I want to. I've heard you scream before, and I want to. I want to kind of scream to try and yeah have positivity. He's like, well, I'm, I'm losing my voice a little bit here, but uh, let's give it a go. And then he just kind of goes, <laughs> like, for, for what seems to be like about a minute, <laughs> just as, as loud as he can into the mic, and it's like, is he going to stop? Is he going to stop? Is he going to stop? And he finally stops. And he gets going again, and he's just like you know screaming at the, the you know um, to, down the down the microphone, and it was, uh, it was that, so funny. That was planned. I don't know, but it was so it was so entertaining. Um, and then he's kind of taking other callers and stuff, and yeah, he's brilliant. Have you have you seen or listened to the latest Michael Malice podcast with him? Yes, really interesting. Yeah, fa- fascinating. I really, really and he's that. great. He's great on. Um, 
He's great on. He's been on Rogan a few times. Um, I mean, Michael Malice was unbelievably prepared for that sure. interview, and he he was like, "I just want to ask him as many questions as I can get answers. about as many conspiracy as, theories." Yeah, I just yeah. want to rattle them off, and it was there was. From what I can detect, there was no spontaneity whatsoever. It was I've managed to get Alex Jones on my podcast. Yeah, and it, I'm the answers, to... the answers, or the, the the question. None of the questions were based on the previous question. No, it was just like, what do you think about this? Yeah, what do you think about this? <laughs> yeah, what do you think about this? Um, exactly, which I found, which I found fascinating. But um, he knew he only had him for an hour, yeah. and he just wanted to cram as much in as possible. But I thought, I thought Alex was really. I mean, he was quite humble, and he was quite apologetic because there was, there was he an, apologized about at the time he was on. Yeah, there was an interview. Podcast. I mentioned it on a podcast a while back, on where he was on Tim Pool and and Michael Malice, basically confused him because he was like the he was the extreme guy, and he was advocating for like you know like private police and stuff, and just you know it kind of flummoxed Alex. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, he was kind of apologizing about that, saying, "Look, I need to get you back on the show. I was such an ass last time." Yeah. Um, I thought it was great. Yeah, and he's so he's so entertaining. So have you? Um, I mean, I get his emails and stuff, and, and I kind of I listen occasionally on yeah. Info Wars on my phone, and, and and I mean, it's it's a shame that you can't just, you know, that you can't get it on YouTube and and you know, podcasts. Yeah, you see, and stuff. I've, I mean, I've been I've been trying to I've been trying to move off of YouTube um, for a while. Uh, obviously, that's that's being helped in many ways now by people getting getting banned. Mm. Um, and well, who, moving off, so you know the like Brett, Brett Weinstein. Brett Weinstein, he's now on moved on to Odyssey. Odyssey, sure. Um, I'd already, I'd already um, uh, registered with Odyssey. I think from the first time James Dellingpole posted something, which was several months ago, on Odyssey, because he'd been doing stuff on Vimeo. And Vimeo, Vimeo's just not. It's just not as intuitive, not as user friendly. I don't think when you and they've started the banning people as well. And there, there we go. Um, whereas Odyssey so far so good, uh, and there's obviously bit shoots and things like this. Yeah, I've, I've used, even, I've, I've seen a few things on Bitshoot before. Yeah, I think even Bitshoot have banned some, banned have some they? stuff. Um, yeah, uh, but so far Odyssey's all right. And uh, I mean, yeah, the uh, Dark Horse um, podcast. I mean, they 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 made a thing of right now switch <laughs> right now. Well, that's it. No more YouTube. We're now on Odyssey. See you there. And they, they they made a whole thing of saying really because um, yeah um, uh, Brett Brett Weinstein uh, and uh, and, and wait well, he's saying his whole family they they a significant portion of their income oh yeah I heard it was like a, it was like it was over a quarter or half it was yeah. a quarter and half of their income so, um, wasn't it and obviously this has affected them but what I love is that they decided to take the power away themselves. And I think that's important, and I think that's... Well, it was a bit like when, when Dave Rubin and Jordan Peterson and people went off of Patreon. Yes. Um, before they got anything else up and running, before they moved to subscribe style or anything, yeah. they just said, right, this is it, no more. And, and they were earning... I think Dave Rubin was earning something like 30 grand a month or something. Really? Um, from, uh, you know, from, from Patreon, and Jordan Peterson was something like 60 or 70 grand or something a month, and they just went, no, that's it. You know, they've crossed the line. They don't get my business anymore. Yeah, um, yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? And it's. I mean, obviously, if you're earning that amount of money, it's probably it might be easier to do it at that point. Um, yes. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I try to I try to support these people where I can in the right way. Yeah, I don't I don't support anyone on on Patreon anymore. Um, 
Yeah, see, I'm just, I'm just waiting for, I'm just waiting for James Stonefall to get banned, and then I'll, uh, <laughs> and then I'll move. It's, it's more of just the hassle of uh, changing it around. Sure. Uh, has he got, has he got like a subscribe star? He's or got something? a subscribe star as well. Right. Yeah. Um, so I could go onto that and then take off the other one. I probably, yeah. probably should. If, if they're, if they're more sound. I mean, I know they've had. I mean, a lot, a lot of places. That, I mean, things like, um, like you on Brook. I just set up a, a monthly donation, just going straight to it. Um, yeah, you see, this is what I would obviously prefer to do for anyone, just because of avoiding fees. I mean, I, yeah, I have to pay VAT on sure on, on Patreon, I believe. Um, yeah, I think you do. So yeah, maybe it, maybe it's better just to try and. But then, if they have if they have stuff, I mean, so the, the people I've supported in the past, I mean, I supported Jordan Peterson on, on, on Patreon for a while, um, and like people like you, but like. These guys, I'm just supporting to keep them going. It's not to get extra content, which I think no, you, no. You, you get with Delling Pole and people. Don't you get you? it. You get it early. Right. It doesn't really make doesn't really make a huge amount of difference. Right. Um, uh, uh, he he was writing um, uh, his not my spectator column. Right. Not being on the spectator anymore, uh, but he hardly ever he hardly ever does that now. Um, but to be fair, he's upped on average. I he's up to the number of podcasts. Right. That he's doing, um, uh, and so yeah, I, I do it. I do it for supporters' sake, sure, uh, and not for not for anything else. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, he, in fact, I mean, James says on his podcast, I think you can, I think you can go and send him money with PayPal. But I have, I have a proper loathing of PayPal. Yeah, sure. Not, not least since um, they now won't let me into my account. And there's absolutely no way of me even deleting it now, uh, because they added additional security features that I didn't register in time for. So basically, Genius. if you ignored your PayPal emails for a time, which obviously I did, because it's just you know you're not using spam, it. yeah, yeah. Uh, and then go and try and log in, then they ask you for the other forms, you know, like multi-factor authentication. So I was like. I know every detail about me, obviously, and I know my username and my password, and I know my secret other words and everything else, but no, one of these new additional forms of security you need to do. I, I went all over this, I even tried logging into some dev site, and I was, I, I've tried everything, and I got, it was like I was getting close to bypassing it at one point in order to get in and it say to me, would you like to set these things? Mm. But no. That's it. Can't can't get. Have you raised like a support ticket or anything? Um, no, because uh, you can only do that if you log in. Not joking. Not joking. Genius. Because I tried to do that in a, that three different ways as well, uh, and then I just posted on LinkedIn in the end with a fucking joking. Um, Jeez. And the thing is, like, I, I I want I want you to go. I want I want my account to go. I don't I don't want it anymore. Um, but it's just gonna it's just gonna sit there. Mm. Still with. Some of my credit card details in, you know. Um, but uh, you see, when you set up a PayPal account, you need next to nothing, okay? So when, uh, uh, when Caroline went to change her, her name when we got married, you know, you've obviously some things like a bank account, you need um, your, uh, your ID and stuff like that. Um, PayPal wanted an original marriage certificate. Not one of the certified copies. They wanted the original one. And I'm like, no. And it's like, you didn't need this when I registered in the first place. It's like, I, I never gave you a form of ID. 
when I registered this in the first place. And they wanted, I think they wanted that and a passport, and like, it, was, it was absurd. So that was the moment that my wife stopped using <laughs> PayPal like 10 years ago. Mm. Um, now my, my account's just gonna sit there until they, they expire it. Uh, but I just, I, just, I, just hate, I just hate stuff like that. But like the easy forms of payment would be, you know, would be, I mean, I know you're gonna say cryptocurrencies are, the way to do it. They're, they're not, not they're easy. Not, they're not easy. I know you yeah, said before, ah, you could live on, you could live on crypto. It's like, I, it's, it's not that simple. I mean, there are, there are. Uh, I can't think of the name off the top of my head, but there is, is it bit refill or something. There are, there are places where you can um, keep kind of refilling your crypto, and, and will, you know, and will help you, you know, buy as many things as possible with it, and do all the kind of, the, you know, right. the transfer and all that kind of stuff. But it, it's not, it's not easy, easy. Yeah. Um, so going back to. Going back to John McAfee, I, I imagine that he wanted, or he did, as much as he possibly could when he wasn't in prison, on uh, on these kind of crypto. Oh yeah, platforms. no, no, he 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 used to, to avoid as much tax. As he possible. he used to pay for everything. So he used to, I mean, like when he was uh, he was over in Britain for all time, and he was on the Delling Pod or the the Delling Pod podcast. Yeah, and he was, you know, his hotel. He paid. He found a hotel in London that he paid for with Monero. Um, right, and you know he was, yeah, he used to, you know, he just used to, he used to pay for almost everything in, um, in crypto. I, you know, I, I was hoping, and this was a bit of a pipe dream, but I was hoping to kind of get him on the podcast, yeah, because just before he was, was he was arrested, he got, got arrested again. So he, he he kind of said, it was maybe a couple of weeks, maybe a month before, he said, look, I'm not going to do standard interviews anymore. I'm, I, I hate the mainstream media. That's it. I'm done. Never again. However, if you're an independent podcast and you want me on, contact Janice, my wife, and yeah. we'll, we'll 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 try and set something up. You know, can't can't promise anything, but yeah. I'd, I'd love to appear on the odd independent podcast. So I kind of made a note of that and thought, yeah. you know what, I'm going to do this. And then a couple of weeks later, he's been arrested, and, oh, and yeah. that was it. So that would, that would have been amazing to, because I remember thinking, I don't want to, I don't want to have him on unless I've, unless because he, he might say, yeah, cool, I can do it tomorrow. And I, but I want to have some really interesting questions to ask him and ask him stuff that perhaps other people wouldn't ask and to be, you know, yeah. to be, you know, because, you know, you hear him on some things and he just gets asked the same thing again and again and again. I wanted to be a, a bit different. So I thought, you know, I was going to spend a couple of weeks coming up with some decent questions um, to have like a really good interview and, you know, a, a good a, respectful interview. That is a problem with people who, what I, well, I'd say do the rounds. Sure. People who go... Podcast, podcast, podcast. I mean, they've they've got something they're trying to promote, even if it's just the fact that they're now speaking out about a subject. It might not be they've got a book or something they're selling, but you do you do find just the same, the same questions, and then can't blame them for giving the same answers. Sure. Well, you get it, it's almost twofold sometimes because when someone's let's say they're releasing a book or whatever, there'll be there'll be similar questions about you know uh, that will last. But then, even when the questions are different, you often get the same kind of canned answers. Yes. And it's like you've you've, you've told me this already on Rogan, uh, yeah. you know, three days ago. Thing is, you've got to accept that they're they're trying to get the widest audience possible. Sure, sure. And they can't assume that everyone heard their yeah know, two days ago or whatever. If you've got something good to say, you're gonna you're gonna say it, you're gonna you're gonna repeat it. I suppose the the mark of the of the really good communicator, is it's never quite the same. Yeah, sure. But it's still as powerful. Uh, that that that's the dream. And I'm and you see, I have to. I'm 
look, I'm not a salesperson, okay? I'm the techie in the organization. And yet I'm selling all the time. And I'm, I'm wheeled onto calls, long conference calls, short introductions, whatever, or wheeled into a meeting, like back when we used to sit around a table. It's happening more now, thankfully. Um, and, and pitch. Um, and I, I almost, I, I channel now. I don't, I'm not even thinking about it. I'm reacting to what they're saying sometimes. I'm trying to make it into a conversation. This isn't just about, about now I say pitching. This isn't about just going right, reel it off. Um, but it is all of our, all of our angles, all of our arguments, features, benefits, all this kind of stuff. And because I haven't memorized it, because it's just, it's just what I know, I like to think that I'm not saying it the same every time. There might be the odd sound bite, the odd phrase, you know, oh, we like to say this or whatever. Sure. Um, but I like to think that I'm taking it a slightly different angle every time. And that When you know the subject inside out, you can do that. Because I, I, yes. I was the same in my last job as well when I'd get kind of, you know, wheeled out to talking talk in front of the board and, you know, or, or kind of, you know, you know, just kind of give Important, updates for people yeah. and, and that kind of thing. Um, yeah, when you know exactly what you know what you're talking about to a to a high level of detail and information, yeah, you can just you know you can just choose to highlight different bits of it. Yes. And perhaps I'm going to dwell on this point for a slightly more well, than I did speak yesterday. Speak to your audience, sure, very specifically. I suppose that's where sometimes when, and it's a it's a recent problem. Uh, well, it's not a recent problem. It, it's occurring a lot at the moment uh, in relation to all of the nonsense, and that is there's a lot of there's a lot of doctors and professors and scientists now having to communicate, frankly, complicated things. Who would have thought that you and I would have known what lipid nanoparticles were? <laughs> yeah, okay. But that's that's the age we now live in, where us armchair scientists, yeah, consume this information given us dumbed down by these people. And you've got, I mean, and again, it, 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 yeah, you've got this, proper spectrum of, of communication from from Dr. Robert Malone who invented mRNA vaccines and he's been you know doing doing the rounds to have you have you heard um, Dr. Uh, Sukarit Bhakti talk or no, do a presentation no. or anything so he's the guy who wrote the book that I got last year sure yeah I've, I've heard I've heard yeah. you talk about him a few times yeah um, he's he's absolutely fantastic he just he just has this way, but he describes, he'll like describe like antibodies, like, you know, grabbing onto the doorknob and stuff. And that's how they can open the door. He uses all these, all these metaphors and everything um, in order to try and get across how the immune system works and stuff. Um, but I, 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 I like it when people come at it from slightly different, different things. Some, some just want to, just want to use all the big words. And then you've just got to hopefully you hear them enough and understand them. Sure. I mean, and people, I mean, that's the difference between people, I was going to say people on the left and people on the right, but it's people on the left and everybody else, I think, <laughs> when they, they will deliberately use long words and try to confuse you to the point where you get embarrassed so you don't ask questions. It's not even long words. It's many words sometimes. Yeah, just like complete word salads. Yes. Yes. Uh, overly constructed sentences. That render themselves meaningless. Sure, that, that even when you, but you don't have time to, 
you know, the, the, you start going back when you, when you know when you're reading a sentence and then you you go back to the beginning again because you've lost it. Yes, exactly. But you don't have time to do that when someone's talking to you like that. Yeah. If someone's kind of someone's giving a speech, it's like, hang on a second. And you think I don't. I'm pretty. Sh- I'm, I'm a clever guy. I'm pretty sure that doesn't make sense. Yeah. But if you kind of go back to what you think he said, or even if you, you know, it's too late at that point. Yeah. Um, and they don't get called out on it enough. No. Sorry, you're just talking bollocks. That's bollocks. <laughs> That's yeah. They don't they don't get called called and then you know people are people are too polite. Um, but if you're you know they deserve to get to get called out. I think. <laughs>